This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Have your Bibles ready tonight. Again, we want to go back to the series we've been in, Measuring the Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan's work. Tonight we pick up where... John Bunyan's dream has followed the journey of a lost pilgrim whose life has been guided or in some cases threatened by other travelers along his journey. You'll remember names like evangelist, help, world, or goodwill, interpreter. And then the dwellers in the city of destruction, those that have not been a help, obstinate, pliable, uh, worldly wise man. Remember the, the man in the iron cage and the dreamer. They actually were a help, but lost men. His steps have taken him through the slough of despond and below the treacherous heights of Sinai. Remember the law that just about came crashing down on this poor man who's bound by his sin, wondering how could I ever scale that. All of that has been instructive to Pilgrim. Now... He leaves interpreter's home, and interpreter says to pilgrim, Hast thou considered all these things? Bunyan reminds us that to be saved, you have to believe some things. You have to believe some things about yourself as a lost sinner. You have to believe what God says in his word about the gospel and who Jesus is as the only way, the truth, and the life. So Pilgrim responds, yes, and these things have put me in hope and fear. Interpreter says, well, keep all these things in your mind that they may prod you in the way you must go. The Comforter will guide you in the way that leads to the celestial city along the narrow way. So Pilgrim went on his way, uttering these words to the one who had been his faithful companion. He turns from interpreter and as he's walking away, he says this to interpreter. You have shown me things rare and profitable, things pleasant, dreadful, things to make me stable. And what I have begun to take in mind, then let me think on them and understand. Wherefore? You showed me where, and let me be thankful, O good interpreter, to thee. Now this tonight is going to be, uh, I'll just tell you, there are two favorite parts of Pilgrim's Progress. Tonight is my favorite part, because it has been building up and building up and building up. He's still got a pack of sin on his back. He is still being crushed under that load. But he turns to give thanks to interpreter who has helped guide him, mainly the one who has helped guide him uh, this, this way. And so remember, God has put us in the path of others to be interpreters. Bunyan says, Now I saw in my dream that the highway up which Pilgrim was to go was fenced on either side with a wall. And that wall was called salvation. Up this way did burdened 
pilgrim run, but not without difficulty, because of the load on his back. All right. Bunyan here draws on the imagery of the reality in Isaiah 26, 1. When Jesus reigns in Jerusalem, and this is what Isaiah is predicting. Uh, Isaiah 26, 1. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. That's what Bunyan drew from in referencing this narrow way, walls on both sides, but leading to salvation. There's, there's no other way but this narrow way to the Lord. And so he ran thus until he came at a place upon which stood an empty cross. And a little below, a lower garden in which was a sepulcher. So I saw in my dream that just as Pilgrim came up to the cross, his burden loosed from off his shoulders and fell from his back. It began to tumble and so continued to do so till it came to the mouth of the sepulcher where it fell in and I saw it no more. And Bunyan, reflecting on the imagery, empty cross, tomb with an empty door, and that burden tumbled down. If you've been to Gordon's Calvary and seen where Golgotha is, where this tomb is, you can just imagine this, this burden rolling down and into the door of that tomb, gone. Now the former pilgrim was a glad and lightsome Christian who said with a merry heart, He hath given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. Then Christian stood still a while to look and wonder, for it was very surprising to him that the sight of the cross could thus ease him of his great burden. He looked and looked again, even till the springs that were his tears flooded down his cheeks. Reminds us from Numbers 21 and verse 8, the Old Testament reality of what Bunyan's Christian experienced. Remember that passage in Numbers 21? And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Shall live. The hymn writer William Ogden caught the essence of this truth when he wrote the lyrics, Look and live, my brother, live. Look to Jesus now and live. It is recorded in his word, Hallelujah! It is only that you look and live. Look to the cross upon Calvary. Gaze on the scene anew. Turn from your sin to the Savior. There Jesus waits for you. And Christian, the previous pilgrim, experienced that wonderful salvation. Now as he looked, stood looking and weeping, behold, three shining ones came to him and saluted him. 
Peace be to you. The first said to him, Thy sins be forgiven thee. The second helped strip him of his rags, and the third also set a mark on his forehead and gave him a scroll with a seal upon it. Then the third bid him that he should run on and present the scroll at the celestial gate. So they went their way and left Christian alone. Now once again, that scroll is imagery that Bunyan uses to remind us. And before I get there, let me just back up to what the first, uh, really these are representing angelic beings, but what the first angel said to him, thy sins be forgiven thee. In Mark 2, 5 and other passages, when Jesus saw the faith of those who came to him, and some of them, it was a difficult road, whether it was a, someone possessed by a demon, whether it was a man being let down through a roof by four others who had faith. Difficult road, like pilgrim. But when they came to Jesus and he saw their faith, his response was, thy sins be forgiven thee. Question, do you remember the day when God spoke those words to your believing heart? What a glorious day that was. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. The scroll in Christian's hand is a reference to Ephesians 1.13 when at salvation we are given the proof of purchase that we're saved and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. When we get saved, the Lord doesn't give us a scroll to hold on to, but in the, uh, in the imagery of Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, he's got this scroll. He will carry it with him until he presents it for entrance into the celestial city. You and I don't have to worry about a scroll. When we get saved, the Holy Spirit moves into us, and he is the proof of purchase. He is the one who will never leave us because we are forever saved. And when we come to that gate, there won't be an Apostle Peter saying, why should I let you in here, okay? We will walk in uninhibited. Why? Because we have the proof of purchase, the Spirit of God. Then Christian gave three leaps of joy and went on singing, and thus he sang, this far did I come laden with sin. Now could aught ease, or not, uh, now could aught ease the grief within. Till I came hither, what a place is this? Must here the cross be the beginning of bliss? Blessed cross, blessed tomb, blessed rather be the God man who there was shamed for me. Just, it, it dawned on him. Cross, tomb, but the God-man was here. And so he leaps and he heads down the narrow way again. But he doesn't get far. Bunyan says, I saw then in my dream that Christian went on thus even until he came at the bottom of a hill where he saw a little out of the way three men fast asleep with fetters on their ankles. They were chained, they were bound at the foot of a tree in this lower, at the, at the bottom of this hill. 
Who were these three men? Well, the name of one was simple, another sloth, and the third presumption. Christian went to them that he might awaken them and cried, saying that he was willing to help them out of their irons. He also told them, if he that goeth about as a roaring lion comes by here, you will certainly become prey for his teeth. With that, they kind of roused themselves and looked at him with sleepy eyes and replied in this sort. Simple said, I see no danger. Slaw said, yet a little more sleep. Presumption said, every man must choose what way seems best to him. And so they fell asleep again. And Christian went on his way. Yet he was troubled to think that men in such danger would think so little of the help he had tried to give them. He tried to help, tried waking them, warning them, and offering to help take off their irons. irons. And so we conclude tonight. The shocking truth about simple sloth and presumption is that Bunyan was referring not to lost sinners, but to lethargic saints. These men had been to the cross too. Their burdens had rolled away. But because of spiritual sleep, they were again bound. In his book, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners, Preacher Bunyan laments the apathetic attitude of many Christians who have quit their pursuit of heaven, the celestial city. With these characters, Bunyan confronts those who sit in the pew each week or don't come to church at all anymore, being dispassionate and unmoved by the word of God. So a reality that Bunyan faced and a reality that we face, whether it's good news, the other good churches in this area, the reality is this. There are some who sit in the pew, listen to preaching, they're unmoved by what God has to say. Some are so unmoved that they're not even sitting around you here tonight. They're at home and spiritually some of them are asleep. They just are. So what was Bunyan referring to with simple sloth and presumption? Well, he expands on a little bit more. Let me do that with you. First of all, simple represents those who foolishly see no danger because their mental smallness and spiritual ignorance cause them to miss the perils of God's warning. They're simple. They have never really delved into God's Word to see just how serious things are when you walk away from God and ignore what He says. Take your Bibles and would you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. Again, the Holy Spirit through Solomon is pleading with His Son. 
Well, he's also pleading with his daughters, okay? But he's, he's pleading with his children not to be simple when it comes to spiritual things. And how many times in the book of Proverbs will, Paul, will uh, Solomon rather talk about the simpleton? Where he's just foolishly ignorant and, and passive when it comes to what he needs to understand about life. And so in Psalm 1, or I'm sorry, Proverbs 1, notice please verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. To be subtlety, to, to give uh, subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Then look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So again, the simple one is the person who foolishly sees no danger and just not putting their head in this book and seeing what God really says. It just, uh, they they choose to be spiritually ignorant and therefore are uh, ignoring God's warnings. What about sloth? Well, this represents those who are spiritually lazy. They have grown weary in well-doing. They're tired of the daily spiritual renewal and preparation required to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Instead of getting up every day, spending time on their knees before God, taking in the Word of God, making sure Ephesians 6, that the armorous place uh, is in place, they just, I used to challenge the teenagers in my youth group, don't run off into battle in your pajamas. But that's what the sloth does. Well, I just go off into my day, whether I've been with the Lord, whether I've put on armor or not. To their own destruction, they ignore the warning of Romans 13, 11. Now is it high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. So the simple one, the slothful one. But then Bunyan introduces us to presumption. And I think with believers... This is the most dangerous place to be when it comes to spiritual sleep. Like the others, presumption hears the spiritual warnings, but this Christian is full of stubborn pride. He or she has the attitude, I get to choose for myself. Besides, I am saved and it won't matter in the end anyway. See, I've got a scroll in my hand. I've got the Holy Spirit. I can live any way I want. Without understanding that that is, that is diametrically opposed to what the Scripture teaches. What did Paul say? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God what? God forbid it. How can we, who are dead to sin, live in it any longer? 
We have someone who just recently trusted Christ and had the opportunity to be discipling them today. We are in Romans 6. And just helping them understand their new position in Christ. And what does Romans 6 teach us? Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto Christ. How much fornication, how much drunkenness does a dead man or a dead woman commit? They don't. They're dead. Reckon yourselves to be dead. When you got saved, God put the old nature to death. And he moved in, and his presence is the new nature you have. It's not a reformed you. It's a new you because Jesus lives in you. Presumption. Could you define presumptuous sin? In the scripture, it's willful sin. It's looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and saying, I know what God has said, but I don't care. Taking a bite. It's willful sin. It's described by David in Psalm 19.13 this way as the great transgression. It is the greatest transgression. When you and I know what God has said, and we say, I'm going to do it anyway. It's a form of spiritual sleep, but it's foolishness. Foolishness. David prayed that God would keep him from this kind of sin above all the others. This presumption thinks that God's grace will abound, that Christ's blood atones, that pardon awaits, while even yet we look for the next opportunity to indulge in our sin. And what the scripture really helps us understand is those that have that attitude may in fact not be believers at all. But if that is the greatest transgression, then here's the warning. God has the greatest means of waking you out of that spiritual slumber. And he'll do it. Say, how do you know he'll do it? Did you ever hear about a prophet named Jonah? Go to Nineveh. Nope. Presumptuous sin. You can sail the other direction, but that's not going to change God's mind about anything. So I don't believe that great fish stuff. Stay tuned, little fish. Oh no, none of us, none of us are above the will of God. You know what the greatest tragedy, though, in Bunyan's story is? And we're done. Is that a brand new Christian, we just saw him at the foot of the cross, he sees the attitudes of simple sloth and presumption and must move forward despite the spiritual apathy of those who will not wake up. So here's a brand new Christian. And for those of you who are spiritually awake, and I think that represents most of the folks in this room tonight. Look, the average pastor knows that it's the Wednesday night crowd that probably have the deepest walk with the Lord and want to please Him. On a Wednesday night, when everybody's tired, right? The week has already taken its toll. On Wednesday night, 
your most spiritually alert people are probably standing before you as you open the Word of God. So in a sense, I'm preaching to the choir. But will you be concerned with me and pray with me that these new Christians don't develop the sleepy attitude that some older Christians have? Have you ever seen the zeal of a new believer? I love it. Why doesn't it continue? Well, sometimes it's because they come down a hill and at the bottom of the hill there are these guys, simple, sloth, and presumption. The worst is presumption. When a new Christian meets an older Christian, someone that's been saved a while, and when it comes to practicing sin, they're going to do what they want. Nobody's going to tell them otherwise. They don't care. Or worse, they may express their mental gymnastics, how they've convinced themselves that what God said He really didn't say and I can do what I want. No, you can't. Let God be true in every man a, a liar. Don't let your flesh deceive you. Stay spiritually awake and realize that if you have developed any of these habits of simple sloth presumption, you can come back to the foot of that cross, find forgiveness. God will take that load off. He'll roll it right back down the hill. You can be free, cleansed, right, and by the way, avoid the trouble that's coming because God said the way of the transgressor is hard. So thank God for our great salvation, but let's not become simple sloth or this man presumption. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for your truth tonight. This was just the next lesson that you had for us in this series, taken right out of Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Holy Spirit, if anyone felt like this was hitting close to home, it's because the convincer, the comforter, the convictor dwells in their hearts if they're a believer. And Lord, help us to just humbly acknowledge your gracious truth and that your way is best for us. And Lord, continue to work in us the zeal that you give to believers when they first have that load lifted and use us to encourage others. Help us to be like evangelist and, and uh, interpreter. Lord, keep us from being like these, these characters that Christians soon ran into after being at the cross. Give us safety as we head home tonight. Thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.